Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just so thankful for what God's doing. I mean, we're hearing testimonies of God just moving, healing. We've had many healing testimonies uh, lately, and uh, I'm just so thankful for, for that happening and continuing to happen and the passion for our people. We have many people in small groups. You guys know we're on a series called Galathmas Fall, and we have small groups going on. It's not too late to get involved. If you haven't been to one yet, get, get, get one. Go on cornerstonelife.org and and you can find one that you're always welcome at any one of our small groups and uh, get involved in that. And we've had the highest level of participation in our small groups ever in the history of Cornerstone. So come on, give the Lord praise for that. Amen. Um, 60% of our Sunday morning attendance is in a small group. I mean, that's just a small group. It's not talking about, a, there's some small groups going on that aren't actually doing the Goliath, are in the Goliath must fall small groups. And uh, come on, give the Lord praise for that, amen? And uh, our, you know, a lot of, lot of the things that we look at around here, we don't look at just at Sunday attendance. What, what we love to look at is really the engagement of people. Remember that if you only come on a Sunday, you miss a lot of the ministry that goes on here. Our, our thing is about engagement, involvement, serving, being a part, being a minister, being a leader and everything. Our engagement right now is up to 80, 90 percent. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That means people are being engaged and... And our serving, our being a part, and I know sometimes, you know, small, you know, evenings don't work for some people, but there's other things you can be involved in. Um, and as we go on to this next year, we're going to try to get that to 100% of people next, next term. So get ready for that. We're going to be pushing that because we just know that's an important part. You know, we're dealing with uh, giants, and these giants are talking about anything that's trying to stop the plan of God in your life, to stop the life of God happening in your life, the abundant life. Gosh, so they could be, like we talked about last week, a giant of fear. You could be, these are obstacles like fear or a relational or financial or whatever obstacles in your life that you seem cannot get over. But I want you to know something. God has made us more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, right? Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, and you all know this, I can do all things through Him, through Christ who gives me strength. John talks about that. He says in 1 John 5, 4, he says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. You know, we are overcomers. We are, you know, whatever giant, whatever stuff that you've been dealing with in your life. Listen, you know, as we talked about that Jesus is the giant killer. It's already happened. The giant in your life, he's given you the power and the ability if you realize that and focus on that. That if you maximize or you, you, uh, you magnify God, you minimize your giant. Amen? And that's uh, so important for understand that because we are. Revelation 12, 11, you know, says this. Jesus said this. And they overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus already did it. And by the word of their testimony. Your testimony, talking about the things of God. And you know, a lot of times we talk more about our giant than how God actually delivered us. And sometimes you just need to let go of your giant and, and, and get a hold of God and begin to even talk by faith, you know, that, hey, listen, this giant is defeated. No matter what giant it is, this giant is defeated. So overcome them by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of the testimony. And they did not, and this is a key too, they did not love their life, their lives unto the death. That's really a key, right? It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ who lives in me, right? I don't love my life. 
It's not about me. It's, this is all about the glory of God. The giant in your life that's, that's destroyed and you're going to overcome is not about you getting the glory. It's all about God's glory, right? It's all about Him getting the glory, right? And your testimony and, and letting that out because we're supposed to be those people who show the world how to live. Amen? The life of God. And they need to be asking you questions. How, how come you're so happy? Right? How, how come you can go through what you went through? Because we're, there's stuff that we go through. How many ever been through stuff, right, in this world? But you go through it. And they're going to look at you. How did you act that way, live that way, and are continuing? That's the thing, because we are overcomers. See, listen, the key thing is, we're either overcomers or we'll be overcome. There's no in-between, Right? See, Jesus did not die on the cross and go through everything that he went through to give us the ability to cope. He died on the cross to give us the ability to conquer. And there's something for you in that. Amen? And I know some of these giants are hard. I know I deal with giants. You deal with giants, but he's, we're overcomers. And they don't have to control our life. The giant of depression, the giants of fear, the giant of what I'm going to talk about today, rejection. They have no power unless we give them power. That's why we magnify God and we minimize our giant. And so I want to talk to you today about the giant of rejection. And a lot of the things I say on how to overcome this today um, works with every, every giant. Amen? And we're giving you tools throughout this whole series on how to overcome these giants, because Jesus already laid it out. This is nothing new, right? It's already there for us. He gave us the tools. He gave us the victory, right? Christ has set us free, right? Amen? And so, but there's a giant of rejection, and every one of us has dealt with rejection. How many has ever dealt with rejection? Just raise your hand. Amen? And everybody else not raising their hand. I deal with rejection. (laughs) Right there. Rejection is terrible, right? I mean, I, I tell you what, it, it is rampant. That's why there's, there's a, number, a couple thousands of pastors who quit the ministry every year. And there's not that many, really, of us compared to the population. You know why they quit? Sometimes it could be, for, oh, we're Lord, it's time to stop. It's time to move to a different thing. That, that can happen in those numbers. But a lot of it is because of rejection. A lot of it's because of rejection. I have to deal with that. I, that's a that's been a giant in my life. I mean, you know, I have to deal with the rejection today. Are you going to go to the, watch the Chiefs? Or are you going to come to church today? You know, you guys came to church. Good, 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 good job. We have people actually were I don't know if they still are. They were in first service, or they were actually at the Chiefs stadium. They told me we're going to watch it on live stream and we're going to show everybody. I'll have to quiz them and see if they did. Um, but. Um, but I, there's nothing wrong. I'm not condemning anyone. It's fine if you want to go to Chiefs game, but not all the time. But anyway, <laughs> but rejection hurts. It wounds us so deeply. Why does being rejected by a person wound us so deeply? Because it really attacks the very person that we are. It destroys, rejection can destroy your self-esteem. It attacks who you are and your purpose for your life. That's the, that's the main intent. This is why it's the most common tool of the enemy to, to destroy a person's life is rejection. See, God never intended 
for us to feel rejected or abandoned. He desires for us to know who we are and to realize what we're supposed to do in this life. But to realize how deeply God loves us and cares for us and accepted us so that we can live out the fullness of God in everything that God's ordained us to live. And that's what Ephesians chapter 3 verse 19 says, And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God. See, God's words tell us that being rooted and grounded in love, the acceptance of God, we need to know that so we can experience the fullness of God. If we don't know that, And if our worth and our health is based on whether you accept me or not, then we're in trouble. I'm in trouble if that's the way it is. I need to be rooted and grounded in love. See, rejection has a way of destroying a person's life in a way that few other things can. Because the sad fact, there's a number of people in America that face this. In fact, probably I would say about 90-some percent of Americans have, have to deal with rejection. In some way. But we got to learn how does God created us, who God's created us to be, and how we can overcome it. It's going to be vital to really live the life of God. See, rejection hurts. It really hurts bad. It's when someone's rejected. See, there, there's some rejection that's outright rejection, right? You know, so like most Christians, most believers, don't do the number one thing that God asks us to do. To lead people to the Lord. Most Christians in their whole life have never led someone to the Lord. Why is that? Fear of rejection. Fear of being rejected, right? Jesus told us, hey, listen, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting him. But we still, the fear of rejection. We don't want to be rejected in that. Why is that? Because rejection actually can stop you and I from really doing what God's called us to do. Rejection hurts. You know, there's an article in Psychology Today. And it said they had a story on rejection. They did studies how, how rejection fit, fit, uh, messes us up. Rejection hurts us the same way. In fact, in, in our brain, when we're rejected, the same brain areas in our brain become activated uh, when we experience rejection as if we had experienced physical pain. So if you have someone hit you, or you get hurt, it's the same area that's affected when you are rejected. It's a neurological thing that happens. That you feel that. And then they've done studies that people can actually take Tylenol to alleviate the pain of rejection. See, it's not, a lot of times, as Christians, we only deal with heart issues, but you have a brain. And you have pathways in your brain that develop. And that can hurt you just as much. So if I'm rejected, you know what happens to me? It's just the same thing as someone hit me or or abused me in some way. It's a very real thing. In fact, they say our brains can't tell the difference between rejection or physical pain. Isn't that interesting? Rejection really hurts. Rejection comes from the Latin word that means throw back. Throw back. So it's not only halting, rejection not only stops you in your tracks, but it pushes you back and makes you go the opposite direction as you were going. It can change even your direction in life. That's why pastors are are quitting. That's why people quit jobs. Why people sometimes quit relationships. Because of rejection. Right? Because it hurts that bad. You know, I... 
I, I love, I, I actually love sports. You know, I'm, I, I love a lot of sports. I'm not good at a lot of sports, but I'm, I'm, I like a sports. And so growing up, you know, you do pickup games. And I, I love baseball. I love playing football. And, and I was fairly good. So, you know, one of the things when you do pickup games, you hate being picked last. Why? Because nobody wanted you. Isn't that right? You basically, the person who gets picked last gets, you know, it's really, okay, come on over here, you know, and they never use you or whatever, you know. And so, so you know, usually baseball and football, I never got really picked last once in a while, but not all the time. But I never got picked first, but usually in the middle, and that's okay. That, that keeps you okay. But when it came to basketball, I love basketball. I, in fact, I love basketball more than any other sport. But I'm a very much a white boy who can't jump, shoot, or dribble. <laughs> but I love basketball. Now, if we pay full contact basketball, that's, I can play a lot better. <laughs> but uh, I'm not good at basketball, so I would, I would be picked last a lot. Well, anyway, I was, when I was with YWAM, I would do outreaches in, the, in our city. And, and one of the things that I was, I was thinking about doing, it was when the summer or spring, summer was coming along, people playing basketball at... at certain areas. And so what I would do is I would get um, water bottles, cases of water bottles, and I would go down to the basketball courts and I would hand out water bottles just to bless them and minister to them and hang out. So if someone got hurt, I would pray for them. I'd just hang out for a couple of hours there and stuff like that. They would never ask me to play. I'd, I'd be dressed, you know, ready to play just in case. But then one day... I was going to do this, and someone in our office, um, who's a, a, a very strong personality, very um, could play basketball very well, a lot better than I could. I mean, he was he was a really good basketball player. Heard about me doing it. He said, I want to come down and do that. And then I said, well, well, you know, get dressed and, you know, get some uh, clothes on. We'll go down. Maybe we'll get, play, play a few rounds or something, you know, and uh, with the guys. And, like, I've never done that before. But anyway, I get down there, and he's coming along with me. He comes in just a tad a little bit later than I did. And they asked me, he says, Sean, we're a little short today. You want to play? I said, really? And um, I said, okay, we're going to pick teams here in just a minute. As soon as everybody gets there, my friend comes along. And uh, they don't know my abilities at all. They don't know his abilities. But I've just been coming and, and building relationships. So anyway, so he comes down and they start picking. Now, I, I am picked last, but I'm picked. I look at that as, woohoo! I'm going to play. Because, you know, I always think I'm better than I really am. And so, um, but they don't pick my friend. And uh, I look at him, and I have never seen him like this before. He felt rejected. And, uh, and so I tried to say, hey, hey, listen, why don't you, why don't you play in my spot? Because I know he's a lot better than I am. And uh, no, no, I've got something else to do. I'm just going to go over, you know, I need to go, you know, I can't remember what he said, pay some bills, whatever. He said something, but he didn't. But he said, I was going to do that. He had nothing else to do that day. He told me he didn't. He felt rejected. It, rejection pushes you back and makes you go a different direction than what you were intending. So I start playing with these guys, and they find out real, real soon that I can't dribble the ball very well. And so I'm, I'm, they want me to bring it out, and so I'm, I'm dribbling it. We're playing full, full court, and I'm dribbling it out. And I'm, it, people are stealing. They figure that out. I can't play. You can, you can figure it out pretty quick. And they start stealing from me, stealing from me. And the guy who picked me um, on the team uh, later on, he says, Sean, why don't you just sit down this next game? I said, you only have four players. We'll do better. 
<laughs> so I went home. Anyway, um, so I talked to this guy afterwards, and my friend, and he says, yeah, I, I don't know what, what went over me. I've never had that before, you know, and he says, yeah, I felt rejected. I just kind of felt bad. Rejection hurts. It's painful. All of us experience rejection. But you know who experienced more, more rejection than any other man in the world was Jesus. Look, turn to Isaiah 53. Look at this. Jesus experienced rejection. Verse 2 says, He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like no one from whom people uh, like one from whom people hide their face, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pains and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We are all like sheep, have gone astray. Each one has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus was a a rejected man in this world. His earthly father here on this earth didn't want him. In fact, God had to send angels to Joseph to convince him to change his mind. Herod tried to kill Jesus when he was a baby. In Nazareth, where his hometown was, they tried to kill him in Luke chapter 4. His family in Mark chapter 3, when he went into ministry, thought he was crazy and tried to bring him back home. He was rejected a number of places. When he told the whole group of people when he was ascended into heaven, a miracle was happening right in their faces hundreds and hundreds of people, to go into the upper room, wait in Jerusalem. Only 120 showed. That 120 changed the world. David, in our, in our text, you can turn to uh, 1 Samuel 17. David was one that was rejected. He is, when the prophet came to Jesse, to, to lay hands on one of his sons. And he, said, he told Jesse, line up your sons. And he lined up all of his sons. And, and the prophet says, is this all your sons? Yes, this is all my sons, but it wasn't all his sons. He had left David in, in the field. David was rejected. Of course, accepted by God because of his heart. So he comes in, into this uh, time of the Philistines. This Goliath was, was there. And he comes up and he says in verse 28, Now as Elib, his oldest brother, heard. Now Elib was feeling rejected. Remember, he was rejected as king too. So he was feeling rejection. But now Elib, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And when David spoke to the men, and Elib's anger was aroused against David. And he says, why did you come down here? Basically, who are you? And with whom have you left? Look, Look at this. Those few sheep, people who reject you, come against. The enemy will come against your identity. It will come against your purpose. It will come against your worth. And the enemy, that giant, that Goliath of 
rejection is, is coming at you all the time. It doesn't have to be people. It can be your own mind listening to that Goliath. He said, why did you come down here? Whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence of heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David says what any younger sibling would do. What have I done now? And then he goes in, is there not a cause? And then go down to verse 47 or 48. So it was when the Philistine Goliath arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. I love that part. Uh, We'll talk about that later. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. But before that, before the victory, before David came out against that giant, we like to go to that part, but look what the giant did to him. He says, then, he says, so the Philistine, verse 41, came and began to draw near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked at David, saw David, he disdained him, for he was youth, only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. A lot of people say that about me. But anyway, verse 43. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Rejecting him even as a soldier. Rejection happens and it hurts. But David overcame it. Because David was all about the glory of God. He wasn't about himself. See, there's a lot of ways we handle rejection. You know, One of the ways we handle rejection in an unhealthy way is we avoid the risk of rejection. So if we've experienced once before, we won't go there again. Or even the fear of being rejected, we won't do that. Right? You want to know how I asked Lisa out? Do you really want to know? That on a date? I had great tickets to the Beach Boys concert. I could ask anybody out. Just not because of me, because I had Beach Boys tickets and you couldn't get them. And so I, I could have just asked her out and she probably would have said yes, even if she didn't like me or not. I mean, I didn't really know her. But I got my little friend to go up to her and ask her for me. You know why? Because I was afraid she was going to reject me. Don't look at me like that. I'm not the only loser in here, okay? <laughs> but that's what I, I, I thought. I was afraid of rejecting. Avoiding rejection. We avoid ministering to people because of rejection. We avoid re- close relationships because we've been rejected before. It's unhealthy. Number, the second way, unhealthy way we avoid rejection is anger and aggression. We get angry about it, and then we want to get even. Right? We even pray that way. God, you'll show them when you bless me and all this kind of stuff. So now what happens is our anger turns into revenge. And it's all about us. It's not about his glory. Then hopelessness and despair. And this is how we, we handle rejection with hopelessness. And we, we cuddle up in our, our little corner and we don't want anybody else to come in and we don't want deep relationships anymore because we have felt rejected or we perceived. How many ever perceived rejection before? Someone didn't smile at you today or didn't talk to you, right? Perceived rejection. Then we can, leads into being oversensitive to, re, to rejection, and really overly dependent on the approval of others and the acceptance of others. That we look for that. You know, in today's age with social media, social media can be really of the devil. 
right? You can look on Facebook and within one slide of your finger feel rejected because you weren't invited to the birthday party that other friends of yours were invited to. How many has ever had that happen? You can look and someone's going out to eat and you're wondering why wasn't I invited out to eat? It gets quiet in here because everybody's felt that, right? Right? And even it can happen in, in church in, in a group of believers. But it's a perceived rejection. They, didn't, they might not be rejecting you, but you do feel it. And it's real in your heart. Because we've wanted the approval of people. We all deal with this, and it hurts. But we have to learn to deal with it correctly, right? To stop it from coming in and destroying the walk of God in our lives. We have to get to the place where it's all about God, and it's not about us. And it's okay. Listen, do you know how many birthday parties I'm not invited to? And I know a lot of people, right? But I'm going to be honest, I'm thankful because I don't have that much money to buy gifts. But there's cake, that's right. Thank you. Now that just, that's painful now again. Anyway, there's cake, you got me right. Um, but, you know, we, we, we have this perceived rejection over, over things. Listen, you do need other people. Don't get me wrong, but you really need to focus that you are accepted by God. And this is how we overcome, number one. How do you overcome rejection? Know what God's love is for you and what His Word says about you. Listen, you and I need to rest in how much God loves and accepts me and what His Word says about me. Rising above rejection is all about identity. It's all about, it's based on your identity. Based everything you do, everything you are on God's perfect love and what His Word says about you. You are loved. You are accepted by God Almighty, the Creator of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are accepted in His throne room. If someone doesn't invite you to a party, go have a party with God, you know? It's cheaper. Make yourself a cake. Then you don't have to share. No, I'm joking. I mean... Sorry, you know I've done that. Um, it's okay. We can't live by that. I'm going to be honest with you. It's, social media can be so real in this. I, I don't. I, only reason I do social media, you probably won't hardly ever see um, personal things of mine. Because number one, I don't take pictures um, well at all. Um, and number two, I just don't do it. It's just something that I forget about. It's just not who. I only do social media because of just to communicate to you as the body of Christ. That's the only reason I do it. Now, you can do it any way you want to. There's nothing wrong with social media. But if, if, if you are getting depressed because you're seeing everything, it, you know the Bible says if it offends you, cut it off. Hello, am I on? Check. Cut it off. You don't need it if you're getting offended. You, sometimes you just need to do that. <laughs> just cut it off. And get into the Word. You know what the Word says about you? A lot. A lot about you. 
1 John 3, 1, it talks about how because of God's great love for us, we are adopted into the family of God. In Romans 8, 17, we are made joint heirs with Christ. Ephesians 2, 6 says we are made to sit in heavenly places. That means all authority over demons, sickness, and everything else with Christ. Ephesians 1, 3 says we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ. Romans 3.22 says we are the righteous of Christ through faith, thus being made right before God. Hebrews 10.22 says we are entitled to a clean conscience before God because of the blood. And we have full assurance of faith when we go before Him. Psalms 103 says our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. And Hebrews 8.22, God Himself has chosen not to remember our failures. John 17.23 is that we are loved with the same love that the Father has for Jesus Himself. You can go on and on through the Word of God, and it will tell you how much God loves you, how much God has empowered you, how much God has accepted you, and how great He wants to make you in Christ Jesus. Amen? So what? You're not invited to a party, right? Don't allow that enemy, Goliath, and that giant of rejection to come into your life. Focus on the Word of God. And sometimes you just need to make sure you have the Word of God around you, that you're just speaking it over and over and over again. I have favor with all people. You get rejected in your job, say, no, I have favor in this job. And if this job doesn't recognize it, another one will. Amen? Don't have to worry about it, right? God has you. He loves you. And we need the Word of God. We need to do that. Don't, you, you don't focus on that giant because this is what... And, I, and listen, I am preaching to myself. I don't have one finger pointing at you. I have three pointing back or four. A lot pointing back at me. That I need the Word of God. I need to recognize my identity is found in Him. See, listen, I can't allow rejection to define who I am. I can't allow rejection to define who I am. I have got to allow God's Word to define who I am. I got to do that. Because God's Word is true. Amen? And you walk head up high. You know, it happens in the church. And so a lot of times, most, most of the time, we deal with this. The person that you think of rejecting you has no clue that they did it because it's perceived. See, rejection, when it's perceived or when it's real, can stop not only stop you, but put you on a different direction from where the Lord wants you. And we've got to get out of that. So we've got to focus on the Word. The second thing you need to do is pursue ref- relationships, godly relationship with fellow believers who pursue God. Let me put it this way. Just become, because someone says they're a believer doesn't mean they're pursuing God. You need to find people who pursue God. You need people around you. And see, this is what we do. An unhealthy thing we do, we don't want people around us because we don't want deep relationships because we've been hurt before. Well, that's exactly what you need, 
is deep relationships with people who love God. They're not going to be perfect, but they love Jesus. Amen? Get somebody around you. God has always intended for us to be family, a support for one another. Be around people of God that encourage you, that confront you. Amen? Not rejection. You know, I, I don't mind confronting. I really don't. Because I have, I, have a, I have a love for people. You need to find people who are willing to confront you, who love you enough to do that, because they're going to stand by you. They're not going to leave you. Amen? That's what the people of God are all about. Find relationship. Pursue relationship that, with people who pursue God. And that's going to be good. That's going to help you in that area of rejection. You know, one of the things I love, I love being around people. I love being around uh, the people of God who pursue Him. I get encouraged more than anything. You know, a lot of people think, well, you like to be on stage. You're like, no, I really don't. I'm going to be honest with you. I love to be one-on-one. I love to be around smaller groups. I, that's, that's really where I really thrive at. I love it. I enjoy it. Because you know what? I find, I find value in it. I need it. You need it. Number three, don't take it personally when you're rejected. Sean, well, it was pointed at me, but look, look what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 22. He says, blessed, now you got to listen to this. Blessed are you when people hate you. I've got to read that again. Everybody say, blessed. blessed. Being blessed is good, right? Okay, so I want to make sure we were there. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you from that party and insult you and reject your name as evil. Because of the Son of Man. See, it's all about Jesus, right? Blessed are you when you've been rejected. Blessed are you because of the Son of Man. Don't worry about it. Don't take it personally. Rejoice in the day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. Amen? So that means when you are witnessing and you're worried about being rejected, don't worry about it. It's okay. When you're following God and you're doing what He wants you to do and they don't invite you, maybe they don't want to be around you, that's okay. You know, people don't invite me to their drinking parties. It's okay. I can show up. Then they stop drinking. I don't know what it is. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having a drink in the Bible. I mean, I have nothing. I don't like alcohol, I'll be honest with you, just because of what it has done with people. But, you know, and it's not sin to do that. You should see me when I come into a restaurant. People trying to hide their glasses. You, it's so funny in, in the grocery store, and, and I don't think anybody here has done that. But, but the, the, they'll, they'll cover things. What do you got there, huh? <laughs> it's, it's, it's so, I have a lot of fun sometimes. Um, but anyway, but don't worry about it if they don't invite you. Rejoice in that day, leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that, that is how the ancestors treated the prophets. And listen to this. 
Woe, verse 26, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. For that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. I always worry when people speak well of Cornerstone Church. And I don't hear any bad things saying about us. Because I know, number one, I know we're doing what God says for us to do. So guess what? I know it's coming. You know, I almost titled this second one, um, don't take it personally, but expect rejection. Because it's going to come. You're going to be rejected by the world if you live for God. Right? And if you can't handle by not going to a party, someone not handling your party, you're not going to handle this. You're going to be rejected for standing up for what you believe. Right? You're going to love people. It's all in the name of Christ. You're going to be, it's okay. Leap for joy. But don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. If someone rejects you and doesn't invite you, don't, don't take it personally. If someone doesn't give you a hug on a Sunday morning or says hi to you, don't take it personally. You, may, you don't know what's going on with them. Right? You, you may, they may be going through something. They may, they may have not have seen you or realized or thought that that was an option. Like I said, I've dealt with a lot of this stuff within the church and counseling and stuff like that. And a lot of times the other person doesn't even know that they've, they've, they even did that. And, if they, and when they find out, they're so sorry. They didn't mean to. They didn't want to, you know. The enemy comes in. That's why you've got to magnify God and minimize Goliath. And it brings me to the fourth and final point. Forgive those who reject you. And give them God's love and acceptance in return. Amen? So if they didn't invite you, you saw all your friends at that party on Facebook or Instagram, and they didn't invite you, send them an invitation to your party. Amen? Love them. Forgive them. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Look what Jesus says here. He says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to anyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those who you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Repay, do that and expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Can you, can you think about that for a moment? Whether it's perceived rejection or it's blatant rejection. God loves the person rejecting you just as much as he loves you. Isn't that, isn't that funny? We don't think about that. Because he is kind 
to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do, and you will be you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Wow. So do the opposite. The, in fact, freedom happens this way, to be honest with you. See, what happens is, nothing can harm you that you don't let inside to harm you. Right? So if rejection comes to you, Stop it at the gate. This is how you stop it at the gate. Speak God's word. Know how much he loves you and accepts you. You have people around you that can encourage you. Right? You're not going to take it personally. You're not going to let that come in and soak inside of you. And you're going to forgive immediately. And you're going to find ways to bless that person. Wow. You know what happens? It doesn't get into your brain then. It doesn't become painful. But if you think about it, you dwell on it, it can hurt. Now, God can bring healing, and you can do all those things. You can get healed. But let's stop it at the gate. Don't allow it to come in. Don't allow rejection to come in. 